0: we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, good morning and welcome. This is Pursuing uh, Spiritual Growth. Uh, my name is Rick Mason. I'm the presenter this morning. And uh, you hopefully you're sitting at a table that's got a book uh, that's a gift to you and also a handout. I'll, I'll try to follow that. Uh, we're getting a little later start, so we may not cover it all. Um, of course, that works to my benefit. Maybe I want to ask, answer so many questions. But <laughs> anyways, um, so uh, the, the book, I'm not teaching from the, the book. It's, it's, a, it's an adjunct for you. I'll probably use maybe a couple of illustrations out of there. I just thought it's a, probably the best devotional I've ever, ever read. Uh, a lot of depth there. So I just encourage you uh, to read that and use that. And uh, so we'll go ahead and get started. And probably since we're talking about spiritual things, I, I guess I probably should start with a prayer, right? That would be kind of a, a spiritual thing to do as we talk about pursuing spiritual growth. So let's pray and let's ask uh, just the Lord's guidance and blessing. Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible day, and it's uh, a privilege to be alive and to be alive in Jesus. So thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for giving us Jesus, uh, the Savior of our souls, Lord. Thank you for the forgiveness and healing and deliverance. Everything we we need in life can be found through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you. We honor you. We welcome you. You are the, the one that guides us into all truth. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to open up our eyes to the things of God today, and Lord, my prayer for all of us is that we would uh, just continue to pursue You and the things of God. Lord, may we be uh, men and women like like Enoch, who walked with God and was not for God took him. May we be like the Apostle Paul, who said he pressed towards the mark for the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. May we be uh, people like David, that was a man after God's own heart, uh, Abraham, known as a friend of God. Moses, Lord, who spoke to you face to face. Uh, Daniel, called uh, beloved of God many, many times, and a man of an extraordinary spirit. I pray, God, for each of us that we would have that same desire for that same relationship with you. So thank you for your presence. Thank you for this day. And thank you for the opportunity to seek you out through Scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. (coughs) I'm going to cover probably three three main things. Uh, First of all, I want to look at the fact that from my viewpoint, I know know there may be some differing, especially if you're, I know the Calvinism kind of a a big thing today, Um, but I I look at us as a triune being, a three-part being, and I'll explain that, I'll try to use scripture to to support that obviously. Uh, We're gonna look at a a faith step chart and hopefully the the idea being that you kind of identify where you're at today and uh, see what's maybe necessary to take that next step with God. You know we're in that constant process of hopefully growing the things of God, and then finally, and depending on our time, I I, I want the, the, the third part is are things that we, you and I can do to help us to grow and mature spiritually. Okay, and so when I when I talk about us as as a, 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 a tripart being, you know we know God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, so He's a triune God, and I think that's part of the the emphasis where we're created in God's image. By the way, I'm not using the mic just because it's hard for me to have a mic and hold this and no podium. And I don't have a real strong voice. So if I start to drift, just kind of, you know, maybe just raise your hand. I'll know that I'm kind of relaxing my voice and not speaking loud enough so that you can hear. Uh, you know, Don't go, oh, you know, like that, but just kind <laughs> of just, just right, you know, give me a little wave and I'll know, okay, I'm, I'm kind of drifting there. I'm not, I'm not speaking loud enough. But I want you to think for a second. I want you to think about creation, okay? And why I think that we are, uh, you know, a tripart being. And uh, if you think back in Genesis, it talks about how Genesis 2:7, you know, that that God said that God formed Adam or man, Adam, the, the Hebrew for, for man, really means mankind, because all of men and women was in Adam. You know, he later took out part to create Eve, but he formed him out of the dust of the earth. And just that that terminology, that word formed. Is, is repeated, is used other places in the Bible, and it's where, for instance, a potter, you know, makes makes something out of clay, um, uh, or, or a, a sculptor, you know, sculpts something. So God in the Garden of Eden, he reached down, I don't think it was just a bunch of dry dirt, it's probably more like clay, or at the very least, mud, but he formed this human being out of the earth, right? And, you know, uh, it's kind of interesting, the the, uh, uh, the the periodic table of elements. Anybody remember high school chemistry or college chemistry? Any, anybody know what that is? Periodic table. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So <laughs> that's. Does anybody know how many elements are in the periodic table? Uh, 118, 118. 118. Very good. 118. <laughs> and you know how many is in the human body? No. No. Not all of them. Uh, interesting. Now, there's a little bit of debate, but most people say there's 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 59 of the elements that are found totally. In, in, the, in the earth are in the human body. So it is an interesting uh, exactly one half of the 118 elements are in our body. and it's almost like you know we're, we're physical. but then the next thing God did is what he breathed down and he said he, he breathed right into the nostrils. okay Of man he became a living being. And so we're part physical and we're part other, okay? And some of the disagreement about wha- are, we, you know, are we a, 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 a dichotomous or a trichotomous being is that when God breathed into us, obviously life came into us. And uh, here's an analogy, you know, a lot of times we use, we try to use analogies to explain the Trinity and most of them break down, they're not perfect, but you know, how do we explain, you know, one God and three persons, you know, how do we do that? It's hard to explain. And I've had Muslim people, you know, kind of challenge me a little bit. Say, oh, you, you you, believe in three gods. I said, well, no, no, no. Go, oh, yes, you do. And so we get a little discussion. We keep it friendly, you know. But we believe in one god and three persons. But it's a hard thing to understand, right? We, And there's just certain things in this life we, we're not going to understand. I want to, but we're not going to understand everything in this life. But here's a great analogy of what happened when God, I think, when God breathed into Adam. Uh, a, an example is take... Now this would be, this is hard to say, but an old-fashioned light bulb, an incandescent light bulb, okay? Now, a lot of you know what I'm talking about, but think of that light bulb. It's got a filament. I got an electrician guy in here, so I got to be careful, but there's a filament inside this bulb, okay? And we connect it to power, right? And the electricity hits that filament, and then what happens? Phew, light, right? There's light produced. So, in my mind, I think w- w- when God breathes on this, this physical body, he breathes the, the, the spirit, not God's, but he breathed spirit in this man. That spirit hit that body and phoom, the soul came into being, our, our personality. So I look at us as being, uh, we are spiritual beings. We have a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions. It's how we connect with one another. You know, And I believe that our, our, our spirit person is really God conscious and that our, our soulish realm is really self-conscious. It's how we came to other people. And then our, our physical body is kind of world conscious or um, environment, you know, we, we feel things are they're warm, they're cold, they're sunny, they're pleasant, whatever. Um, to, but there's a, there's a blending. And in the Old Testament kind of Hebrew thinking, there was an inner man and an outer man, and that's true. But there's not a lot of, lot of explanation in the Old Testament. It's sort of like there are certain things, for instance, it doesn't talk a lot about hell in the Old Testament. We know hell's very real. Jesus talked about it. The, the New Testament expounds on that. But there's not a lot of information about that in the Old Testament. It doesn't mean it's not true. It just wasn't focused on that. Or even, or even Satan. You take out the book of Job, and there's very little in the Old Testament about Satan. And again, the New Testament expounds upon that. So the old saying what the the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed so there's more fresh revelation. And so I think there's more about our spirit part in the New Testament, and that's why you have kind of some different camps. Okay, I'm not, uh, when I get to our our ending point, our conclusion point, no matter which camp you're in, it's still gonna help you, these these principles will help you. But we are a tripart being, I believe. And it's interesting, if you remember, uh, there there was somebody that asked Jesus a question, and uh, he asked him, you know, what's the, the, the greatest commandment, right? The greatest Commandment. Anybody, anybody remember what was Jesus' response? He said, when the guy asked him, "Okay, what's the greatest commandment of all?" This is in Matthew twenty. With all what? Heart, soul, and mind. Right. Okay. Then you go to Mark and Luke. It was same 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 situation, but both in Mark and Luke, the answer is you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay? And then the very first time that that is mentioned is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, where he says, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. So it's interesting. Two times it says heart, soul, mind, and strength. One time it says heart, soul, and strength. And one time it says heart, soul, and mind. All right? So there's, there's, there's a, a multiplicity to our response to God, and we're to love God with all of our heart. I'm going to talk. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but when we talk about terminology, when I mention, when I say the word, when I think of the word heart, now it's used in different ways in the Bible, okay? And part of hermeneutics, okay, here's a hermeneutic principle, is that every word that's used in the Bible has one meaning in context, okay? Because you can use the word heart, and sometimes the Bible talks about our physical heart, right? It talks about there was a battle and somebody shot an arrow through their heart. It wasn't through their their feelings, it was through their actual physical... So in that situation, that was a physical heart, but most times it's talking about our being. And so when I say heart today, okay, you always have to look in context, but I'm talking about the container of our soul and spirit together. That's what I mean by heart, okay? Now, for instance... Um, when we talk about th- that, that principle, the hermeneutic principle, I want you to think for a second about, it's a very simple word, the, the word key, K-E-Y, and this is, n- this is not a true question, I'm not trying to trick anybody, but think of that word key, see that, see that in your mind, K-E-Y. Now when you think of that word, what does that word mean? Can anybody give me, give me, give me one definition? Something that's used, right, well it could be something metal. Could be something plastic, right? But something we think of to unlock, usually a door uh, or whatever. Okay, what else can key mean? A solution, right? Hey, who has the answer? Key, right? Right. What else? What else? Key. The, the main key? key. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can say, yeah, when you leave, maybe when you leave a session today, people say, what, what was the key point, right? What, what was the main thing? What was the the majority saying. How about, what else, key, come on, my, my musical people, key, come on, come on. If you sang, if you hear me sing, I would be off key, right, right? Or if you look at a, a, a piano, what, what are those things called? Keys, right? And I think, isn't it like an electric circuit, isn't there a, a thing called a key, like a key switch or something like that? There's another, there's another definition, um, so, but here's a simple word. And look at all the different meanings, from metal object, to the answer to something, to um, a key thought, uh, to a, a musical note, right? So again, context is so important. How is that word being used in context? Because I was in a discussion the night with a gentleman, and we were just talking about some of the verbiage of the Bible. and again, how he was defining things and I was defining things, but it's so important. What is the context of what they're talking about? So just remember that when you're studying, what does that merge? Because we, we get a thought on my why note, to me, that word means this, but how is it being used in the Bible? So be careful of that. All right. So here's a couple, here's probably the main scriptures that talk about uh, you and I being a triune being. And by the way, getting back to that, um, uh, that, that whole idea of, you know, when, when, remember when God breathed down he breathed into Adam. Uh, uh, and something that really struck me is that, that this was years ago, I was taking a graduate course at Ohio State and the, the course was on human anatomy and it was a didactic course. In other words, you had a lecture and then you had a lab. Well in our lab, uh, we went to, if anybody's familiar with Ohio State, it was Hamilton Hall. We walked into Hamilton Hall and it was probably a room, probably almost the size of this maybe half of that one. Next. It had a big room and it had, there was 40 gurneys, 40 metal gurneys in there and there were 40 bodies in there, human bodies. And so it was a little unnerving, you know? I mean, I've, I've been around when people died. I mean, it's, uh, I, I understand that. I've been to plenty of funerals. But I wasn't prepared for what it looked like, those bodies that we, that we had dissected, basically. And then when, they, when we pulled back those sheets, they were just, they, they looked gray. And it just, I was just taken aback at the, the appearance of that and it kind of reminds me, yeah, that without without the spirit, without the life, that we're of the elements of, of the earth. And if you don't have a good funeral director that's, you know, prettied us up and uh, done things to make it look, it's uh, it's just very startling, very startling. All right, First Thessalonians chapter 5. This is in your notes there, in your outline, uh, chap- verse 5, chapter 23. May now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit... Now, notice the verbiage. He didn't say, May your spirit, soul, and body. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, that's a, the that's a main scripture that, uh, for people that, that believe that you know, we're a three part being, we're, we are a spirit being. And what I'd like to emphasize today is that you and I are spiritual beings, we have a soul. We have a personality, a temperament, and all those kind of things. And we live in a physica, physical body. And you know what? All three are very important. Because it doesn't matter how spiritual I am. If this bo- physical body dies, then I'm no longer here and no longer able to connect. So it isn't like, well, you know, the body's not important. No, the body's very important. So important that someday it's going to be resurrected. Now, I still understand why does God make such a big deal about the body? Why is it going to be? But it is. It's going to be resurrected. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter if you're blown up in, a, in an atomic uh, bomb or uh, someone's been cremated. It doesn't matter. Those the, every little particle God's going to bring back. We're going to have that body's going to be resi- that body's important. Jesus still has a physical body today. He's not flesh and blood, but he's flesh and bone. He still has a physical body. But uh, so all three are important. And there's a there's a, uh, I don't want to use that term, there's a crossover, I almost said a over. there's a crossover between spirit and soul and body. And so what I have to be careful is, is being careful not being too definitive on the differences, especially between spirit and soul. And I'll try to point that out as we go on. But even the body, we know that, you know, all of us have that time where we have just, we're wore out and we're exhausted, right? And does not affect, when we say, you know, I just, I can't think, I can't focus. I can't. I can't think clearly, right? I don't care how spiritual, how much, how much scripture I've memorized, and you know what? All how many people I witnessed to today, whatever. When his body gets tired, it affects the rest of me. So there's a there's a, a connection there, and I think that we are spirit, have a soul, live in a body, but we need to be very careful when we get to the particulars. Okay. And the next verse is not printed out, but it's, it's referenced, in your your outline is is meant to hopefully be more of a reference for you when I say things. I, I try to. Rec- list of scriptures. I couldn't fit everything on there that I like, but I tried to give you references so you that later on you go, what, what did he say about that? Or, I don't know if I agree with that. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, piercing as far as the division, you know, that term, as far as the uh, King James says, even to, And it shows us that there's a very difficult line to separate out spirit and soul. So I want to be careful to, to emphasize that. I'm not trying to totally separate those. Because only the Word of God can do. Only God can do that. Okay, there is a difference, I believe, but I want to be very careful not to to overemphasize that. So the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any 2 sort sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. You know, I, I remember as a young believer, I'll get a little nervous, realizing, man, God, He knows all my thoughts, right? And He does. We do we need to be careful. Our thought life is very, very important. But more than that, he knows the intent. That's a deeper level to me. Cause I think sometimes we can we can do the right thing for the wrong reason, right? Or sometimes we do the wrong thing, but our we say, well, our, our heart was right. We had to write we had to write it just didn't come out right. Just didn't we didn't present it right. So it takes a word So I want to be careful not to be too fine in my differentiation, but there is a differentiation. Here's the goal. Here's why do we want to, you and I, why do we want to pursue spiritual growth? Okay, what, what is the uh, uh, desire? Ephesians 4, 15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So the desire, your desire, my desire, is to be like him, be more like Jesus. That's why we want to do these things. You know, First Peter 2, 2, like newborn babes long like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. And that'll be a key point later on. It's the word of God that brings growth. Uh, under see there, our spirit connects to God. I mentioned before that I, I believe that our spirit being is is God conscious, our our soul, soulish realm is self-conscious, and also conscious of other people, and then our body is environment or world conscious. where we have the five senses right we smell we and we and we, we, we hear and and uh, uh we 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 taste all those kind of things that we connect with our world but our spirit connects to god and so i think when we look at uh, w- most of us are probably aware that we talk about the soulish realm it's the mind will and the emotions or the mind will and the intellect different people phrase it differently but it's that whole part of our personality and temperament who we are i think our in our spirit is where we have that that conscience and i've heard people talk about in evangelism they don't they, they try to they, they want to get away from mental arguments and they want to begin to to speak to the the conscience the spirit and so i think it's in it, 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 our spirit being is where that conscience lies and we've all had a ex- situation where we're thinking about doing something and not doing something you know how we can begin to think something we can rationalize go ah that's, that's probably okay. You know, I, don't, I don't see a big deal with that. But all of a sudden, like, there's something kind of, what is that? You know, it's like, no, 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 really, it's... it's I, I can justify that. That's, that's probably okay for me to, you know, maybe it's something, y- you know, God's told you not to watch anymore, you know. And not, not for everybody. You know, the problem is, you know, God will get on me about something and say, I don't want you to do this, so then I want to make it a rule for everybody else, yeah. right? Because misery likes company, right? Mm-hmm. right? So if I can't do it, you, you shouldn't be able to do it. You know, but that's not the way it works. He knows we're, we're all unique and there's certain things that bother me that wouldn't bother you. It's not a big deal for you. Right. So best be careful about that. So our conscience. Um, also, I think um, when we talk about communion, that, that intimacy with God, I think that's through our spirit being. Spirit being. And uh, thirdly, I think probably that, that at intuition, you know, if somebody, if somebody like, how, how do you know that? I don't know. I just I just know. I just know. And we all know and this is a generalization, but we all know that women tend to be better at intuition than men, right? We call it a women's intuition, right? Right? Why why are there more women here today than men? What's that? Because women tend to be more spiritual. Sorry, but it's true. But that intuition—when you know something, you don't know how you. Know, I, I don't know. I just know. You know. It, sometimes you have to make a decision. You start to. I like to add up. Well, oh, here's the pros and cons. Here's the. You know. Blah blah blah. And then sometimes it comes to the point where, you know, it d- this doesn't make sense. But I know this is the right thing to do. But it is, that's, that's your spirit. You know, just connecting with God, your, your spirit hears from God. And even though you don't know why, you know this is the right thing to do, the right thing to pursue. Uh, under D there are culture and church values. Here's where the challenge is for us today because culture is so powerful. Our cult- We are all to some degree or another, we're all uh, affected by our culture. it's a power, you know, it's one of the things when you read in the Old Testament, God was constantly cautioning Israel, don't do like they did in Egypt, and don't do like they do in the land I'm bringing you you into, but I want you to act according to these principles I give to you because I want you to be a separate people, okay? So, our culture, we're all affected by that, and in our culture, there's a great emphasis on physical appearance, right? I mean, it just looks, and that's why we spend so much money on clothes and dyeing our hair and having surgery so we don't have to wear glasses. I mean, it's just, it's a big deal. Now, I'm just not saying it's all wrong, but I'm just saying there's a tremendous emphasis. I purposely have my internet browser uh, set to a very liberal page because I want to see what our culture is talking about. And it's interesting, every time there's, what, an Academy Awards or, all those types of, you know, and they have, seem like they're on every other month There's some type of, a, you know, <laughs> country music awards, or whatever. But when I bring it up, when it comes up on my screen, the first thing I talk about hits and misses in terms of their wardrobe, you know, who, who looked the best and who, you know, who, who really messed up. And it's, there's such an emphasis in our culture. And there's such an emphasis on our, on our intellect, you know, s- smart people, people know how to make money, people, successful people. And again, in and of itself, God wants us to be successful. Y- he doesn't want us to look bad. But I'm saying there's such an emphasis on that in our culture that affects us and it really is affecting the church today. And we've lost that emphasis on spiritual things and uh, developing our spirit. So just be aware of that. We just all need to be aware of how we're affected our thinking and what we value. Uh, today, under E, more questions and answers. I, 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 don't, I won't have all the answers for you, but I'm hoping I can stir in you a desire to pursue this on your own. That's why I gave you the book. That's why I gave you the notes that uh, there's just a lot of difficult questions, but I think we need to realize that there is a difference, and I need to really sow to the Spirit. I think it's going to benefit all of us. So in our terminology, again, when I talk about heart today, I'm talking about the container of the Spirit and the soul. We talk about the soul. It's the mind, the will, and the emotions. And if you notice, remember, that reference to answer to what was the most important question, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think it's in progression. I think heart because that's your container of your spirit and soul so the heart soul is your mind will and emotions mind is a subpart of your soul and then strength your physical body so they're all important but i think our spirit person is the most important aspect and the bible talks about flesh and again in context sometimes it talks about this physical flesh but most times it talks about flesh is talking about that the unregenerated state of man, that fallen, that weaker element in human nature. And here's a here's a, a, another terminology that we're going to look at today when it talks about the natural man in 1 Corinthians. Let me go through this and I'll take a break and see if anybody has any questions so far. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 to 14 is referenced in your handout. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? I think we can all relate to that. You ever have your spouse say, uh, "Hey, what's wrong?" What, you, know, and you go, I, "I don't know," or nothing. First, you say nothing, right? Yeah. No, nothing. What, why, why? 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 You ask me, "What? What? <laughs> what?" You know, acting like an idiot. But what? 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 I, I don't have a problem. And then uh, you know, and sometimes it just you don't know. You know, you're upset. You know, you're unhappy about something, but you don't know what it is, right? You only really know what it is. And sometimes it takes a while just to kind of to flesh out what that is. What is really bothering you? I think it's when you get time just to be quiet yourself and allow god to show you you go oh yeah that's the problem i i I need to deal with that that's that's the issue so what man uh what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him even so no one knows the things of god except the spirit of god now we have received not the spirit of the world but the Spirit, capitalist, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So. The natural man, I think, is w- a better term would be the soulish part of us—the mind, will, and emotions—and that's why, it was in Romans twelve two says, "Don't don't be conformed to this world, but be tr- be transformed by the renewing of our mind." You know, when when a person comes into a right relationship with God, when we rec- recognize that we're a sinner, that I'm really a rebel against God, and I need a Savior, and when I've accepted the Lord into my heart, my spirit, which was previously separate. It was still there. We have human spirit. That's why there, there are people in our culture that have spiritual abilities. It's not of God, but they have very strong spiritual abilities. They connect to the spirit realm. There's another, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a bad, there's a bad side of the spirit world. They can connect to that. But when we come to know the Lord, our spirit is now reunited, is alive unto God. But you know what? My physical appearance, other than maybe the expression of my face, didn't really change when I got saved, right? And my my soul, my mind, will, and emotions was still what it was. And so it has to be, I have to change my thinking. You know, every one of us in here have a different background, a different culture, the way you were raised by your family or what type of family you were raised in. You know, your neighborhood, your school, your city. All those things have a bearing on how we think. And when we come into the relationship with God, we've got to change our thinking. And my parents taught me some very good things, but most of them were how to survive in the world. And one thing that I remember as a young kid, we're taught that, Hey, life is difficult, and you better learn how to take care of yourself because nobody else is going to take care of you, right? So that's, that's, a, that's a very true natural way of thinking. But when you come into the relationship with God, I realize now God's my provider. He's the one I put my hope and trust in. He's the one that's going to take care of me. And so I have to learn to be dependent on him. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for my employer and all those kind of things, but really God is the provider, and he uses different means to do that, Okay. So just a little bit about terminology. carnal Christians are really Christians that, that are governed more by the human nature. That's why Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians. You know, can we be a carnal nature? Sure. If I neglect my spirit, I'll, be, I'll act just like the, r- the rest of the world does. I'll become a carnal Christian. 1 Corinthians 3, 3, for you are still carnal. He's talking to believers, right? Corinthians, sure, it's full of the gifts. Man, they're in power. Man, they got things going on. For you are still carnal, for where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal, and behaving like mere men? In other words, you're acting like the people of the world. Yeah, you're better than that, right? He's saying, hey, you're better than that. Don't, don't succumb to that. We need to live on a higher plane. Okay, before we go on to comparing the three elements, any questions or comments uh, about what I've talked about so far? I must be doing a really good job. Or you're bored. <laughs> All right, section two here, comparison of the three elements. I just want to throw out to you some, some things that I think, and hopefully I've given you references enough for reference in your script. What are some differences in how we respond to stuff spiritually, uh, the soulish realm, okay, and, and then also the physical realm? Just think about, you know, we, we want to honor God, right? Uh, when we want to, for instance, we want to worship God. Uh, what Jesus told us in John, right, John chapter 4, we worship in spirit and in truth. So I think worship is a very spiritual exercise. And I think, again, we, you and I both have experienced situations where we're in an atmosphere, and all of a sudden, for us personally, now we all tend to judge the worship service by how it, how it appealed to me, right? Uh, I don't think God asked me to be the barometer. Uh, maybe it's more of a barometer of where I'm at, right? Maybe I wasn't prepared to worship. But I think it's our spirit that worships God. I think when we talk about praise, that's more in the soulish realm. Not a bad thing, but I don't want to stay in that soulish realm. I don't want to stay. I want to I want to go to that worship. You know, most good worship leaders, they're trying to bring us to a point where we really worship God because we're coming from living in the world for the, the week or whatever and being exposed to all the stuff and and they usually have a methodology they want to get us to to where we're not, you know. A lot of times they'll start off with a, maybe an upbeat song and we're you know just praise the Lord, and that's a good thing to do. But the goal is to get us to worship Him and to honor Him. But even our body gets is involved in that, right? So we got our spirit that's worshiping, our our soul is that's, that's praising God, praising Him for what He's done, worshiping Him for who He is. But then our body, you, you ever catch yourself you're in a in a service and all of a sudden you go, how how'd that get up there, right? Or we're we're worshiping and all of a sudden you go, well, some of it's conditioned and trained, but a lot of times your body just begins, wants to bow, wants to kneel, uh, wants to clap, uh, wants to raise our hands. So the body responds. Um, But unfortunately, because of our culture, a lot of times we don't get past the praise part because we're so caught up in just the emotional element, our mind, will, and emotions. We haven't been developing our spirit, so we we don't know how to go there to really worship God. So again, our, you're my spirit, and I know it's one of the first things that I noticed in my life when I got born again, I just began to wake up in the morning thinking about God. I knew, I didn't do that before. I maybe I remember waking up feeling uh, guilty for what I did the day before, something like that. But when I got born again, I just I just began to think about. I'd wake up, and I just realized he, now I know He was there, He was present. I didn't know what it was, but I'm just why am I thinking about God? my spirit's now alive to him right so uh, joy is something that the scripture talks about you know the joy of the lord is our strength and to rejoice I forget how many times it's in psalms i think joy and rejoicing that's a spiritual element because you, you and i we can be joyful no matter what the circumstances are Amen. right right even in bad circumstances i can still say well hey praise the lord. i'm going to praise the <laughs> lord anyway i'm going to honor him anyway don't look too good it doesn't feel too good but i'm going to still i'm going to worship him i'm going to honor him right so that 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 joy now happiness is in our solution depends on how i'm feeling how circumstances are and i like to be happy but that's not the goal i want to i want to be joyful because my happiness my moods are all over the place right now, i remember i was in a workplace a couple of years ago now i was talking to them, there was a bunch of ladies in, the, in an office and we're just talking about you know, things going on in, the pl- in a plant. And I said, You know, well, I, I, think, I think men are just actually just as emotional as women. And the one lady goes, I've been saying that and saying, Yeah, because, and I've noticed, you know, sometimes I'll walk into some of these plants and everybody's uh, guys are, Hey, hey, I was going, Hey, just watch the game. And we're all high five. And other times I'll walk in and it's like, Do You guys know I'm here? Hey, hello. See, men are, we just process it differently, right? We just we tend to process it internally, where you know the ladies it's more you know you know I don't have to guess what my wife is thinking or if she's you know uh, for me it's a little more it's a little more she has to probe but uh, we're we're all emotional so the joy is spiritual okay the joy is spiritual uh, the happiness that's that's in the soulish realm and then uh, obviously the body we feel what what pleasure or pain right so all three of them connect in some in, in some way. Now, here, here's an area that I think that is a, is a, is a spiritual, uh, part of our spirit, when we talk about revelation, we get a revelation from God. And a good example is that, you know, how you, you can be sharing with people, maybe, maybe there's people that you've been sharing with for, for a long, long time, and then all of a sudden there's that one day where that person says, hey, can I talk to you? And you just start talking to them and talking about the Lord, and all of a sudden it's like they're ready. It's like it's, it's gone from, we've been talking about this for a long time up here, but all of a sudden now, it's in their heart. It's something they've got. They, they realize they need help. They need help. They, they, God's their help, and God's their source, and they need him. So they get a, they get a revelation. And we talk about conviction. We, we, we get convicted, I think, in our spirit, right? Uh, we, we feel guilt in, in our soulish realm, but that conviction comes into our, our spirit man. And uh, I think, uh, too, we talk about things like, like wisdom. You know, we can teach... Other people, you know, uh, information. We can show people how to do things. But that wisdom of God, and in its very basic meaning, uh, the word wisdom means skill, okay? Typically in the Bible, it means skill at living life. But God filled some of the artisans that made the, uh, the different furniture in the temple, he filled them with the, uh, the, a wisdom in craftsmanship. So it's, it's, it could be skill in making something, but it's skill at life. And I think that wisdom is in the spirit realm. Now, knowledge, you know, doctrine, uh, theology, that's that's kind of a more of a mental process. And that's good. We need good doctrine, right? We need good theology, but there's a limitation there because look at all the, the broad spectrum in our body. You know, there's a whole section of the body of Christ. They don't they don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit for today. And we go, how, how, can, you, how can you read the scriptures and get that? 1 Wh- why, why? Corinthians 12, 13. 14, those three whole chapters don't, don't apply to us anymore and all the other, I mean, it doesn't, but they've, they've got, they're locked into this way of thinking and they can't get that, that revelation that comes. So there's a, there's, a, there's a need for us to understand there's a difference between our spirit, soul, and body. Now here's something very interesting in Rome number three. Um, there, there was a book written by George Bonner probably eight, nine, ten years ago. I probably read it six or seven years ago and it's called Maximum Faith, Live Like Jesus. Anybody, has anybody ever read or heard that book before? Maximum Faith by George Barna? Nobody, good, I can act like an expert. I can say things that are wrong, nobody read it. <laughs> but um, he, he did a survey, a ma- I think it was one of the most massive surveys they they've, they've, they've ever done, okay? In terms of people, and now this uh, this, uh, this applies to the United States, okay, our co- our culture is different than other cultures around the world. But he came up with four main points, No, there was it maybe five main points, anyways. Uh, here, I'm just going to read them off to you. Uh, he said, after surveying all these people, especially Christians, where they're at, okay, in their, in their walk with God, but it was all people, he said, number one, all people face enormous obstacles in attempting to begin this journey with God in terms of growing their relationship with God. And it's sort of like, you ever ever read the, the book Pilgrim's Progress, right? Or seen the, the movie, whatever? Like, Remember all the obstacles he had to overcome? That, that's a great book, but there are obstacles. And that's why... You know, I wish we were all, I wish I was a spiritual giant, but I'm not yet because there's an obstacle. I'm still in a process. You and I are in a process. And the only, number two, the only way to negotiate this journey is through a long-term commitment to God. Having a solid partnership with God, possessing a willingness to grow through pain and hardship. That's a hard one, right? That trips up a lot of people, right, when things don't work out right. and l- Some of that because we've miscommunicated what the gospel is about. You know, we, we've mis- we told people that, you know, you accept Jesus and everything's going to be okay. I think most of us in the room say, no, that's not true. <laughs> Your problems are just beginning in some ways, right? Because now you stepped out of the darkness into light, and now you're a target. You know, there's, there's, there's going to be resistance. And fourthly, be willing to live a countercultural life. Ooh, that's a big one for us, to go counterculture. Because, see, my soul, it wants to be light, right? My soul, I, I don't want to be excluded from other people. I, w- I wanna be a part of the crowd, right? Isn't that one of the problems that you know young people have a peer pressure? Well, it, that goes on in life, right? That goes on in adults. We all face that peer pressure, okay? So be willing to live a countercultural life is very uncomfortable. And my flesh, my soul, we, I like it comfortable. I like security. Why well, in the United States, we put so much emphasis on security, right? Because we want to be secure. Mm-hmm. And I forget, I'm only secure in Jesus, right? theres You can't have enough guards to keep us all safe. Thirdly, this process enables us to gradually die to sin, self, and society, three S's. Sin is to die to sin, self, and society. Our cultural goals are, in our culture, we want happiness, we want comfort, we want security, we want belonging, we want popularity. That's what our soul wants, right? And so most Christians wind up in a circular journey instead of a progressive one. All who pursue th- this journey will have detours in times of regression. None of us are on a linear patter- pattern. We, we all get off on detours, just like in Pilgrim Froggers, where right? make, make, we all make mistakes, right? We all get off track sometimes. That's okay. We're human. God understands that. He doesn't expect you and I to be perfect, right? Here's the 10, the ten, ten face steps, okay? Try to just, as I get through this, just see if you can locate where you are. Okay, locate where you are. Number one, out of all the thousands and thousands of people they surveyed, one percent were unaware of sin in our culture. and a lot of times those are people that maybe come up from other cultures, but because of the, you know, the churches and TV and everything, there's, uh, most people are, but there's about one percent of people that they have no, no, no basis. They don't understand what you mean by sin. They just they have no bearing Number two, there are 16 percent of Americans are indifferent to sin. Other say, man, nah, I don't believe in that, I don't care. You now people say, "Well, when I stand for God, I'm going to tell them what I think. You know i i try to i, I try not to look too surprised i'm thinking oh man do you know what you're saying you we are going to stand before almighty god anyways so there's 16 here's an interesting part of our culture and that applies to you and i number three worried about sin. 39 of americans say yeah i know yeah i know you're probably right i know there's probably god and i know and they're, they're they haven't they're not changed the way they live but they're, they're worried about it it bothers them it bothers them number four 9% of people are, says forgiven for sin. What that means is there are people, and you run into all the time. Well, yeah, I, I remember when I was 10, I went to VBS, and I, I prayed a prayer. I, I believe in Jesus. I've I, I accepted you as my Lord and Savior. And you go, oh, that's cool. I said, you, you fellowship anywhere? No. Do okay, you, you read your Bible? No. Do you pray? Mm, probably not. Maybe when things are real bad. So they've had an experience, and again, that's between them and God. It's not for me to judge, but I really worry about those people. I don't know how long you can stay in that pattern of just praying a prayer and you're okay with God. Because Jesus said, if you love me, what will I do? Keep his commandments, right? If you love me, are you keeping his commandments? Are you fellowshipping Are you in the Word? No, they're not doing any of those things. Number five, here's where probably be <coughs> a lot of people, significant amount of people here today, forgiven and active. You, you know the Lord. You've come into a right relationship with God, and you're, you're in the church. You're, you're busy. You're doing things for God. No doubt about it. And that's a good thing, right? But that's not the end result. That's not what God's looking for. He, we, he wants us to be in service. But our highest calling as a believer, I think, is to be a worshiper of God. That is our highest calling, to worship him, to know him, to walk with him. So of those, number six, 6% of people go on to what's called a holy discontent. You realize, you know, I'm, I'm doing things okay, and I'm going to church, I'm, but something's missing. Something's missing. There's a discontent in our lives. Number seven, then of those, about three percent go on to a point where they surrender, they, they become broken, they realize afresh and anew. And I, I tell people this a lot, you know, the longer I walk with God, I feel like I repent now of sin more than I ever have in my life. People say, Well, how how can that be? Because you know, as you're walking, as you're trying to get closer to the light, don't you don't you see more? I mean you Lights on the bathroom, and you know, close. Oh, don't get too close. You see too many imperfections, right? The closer we get to God and His perfection, the more I see the failings in my own life, right? Next, uh, group, surrender and submission. One percent then begin to really just say, "Hey, God, you, you, you own it all. I belong. I, my whole life belongs to you. I've been, I've been asking you to bless my plans. Now I want your plans." 05 uh, percent go on to a profound love of God and you realize that's what life is all about. I, I begin to look for time in my schedule. I begin to look for time in my day. Yeah, I had my devotional time in the morning, but I begin to look for time to spend time with God. I just, there's this drawing there. He's calling me to, to spend time with him. And then the last one, you know, as a result of that, when you spend time with somebody, you catch their heart. When you and I spend time with God, we begin to catch his heart and his desire and God's heart and desires for people. He loves people, he loves lost people. He wants us to reach lost people. All right, in conclusion here, how do we, so even if you say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm buying in, okay, I I, I re- my spirit being is important. What do I do? Here, here are some things that we can do to develop our spiritual life. Everything based has to be based on the word, right? The word of God. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, that word proceeds in the present tense, not past tense. It's a continual, ongoing we need to be in the Word of God all the time. Children of Israel had to go out every day and get manna, right? Fresh manna. You and I need fresh manna from God every day. Secondly, we need to be worshipers. We need to be worshipers of God. I've already covered this, but that, is, I think, is our highest calling to be a worshiper. This has not come easy for me because I like teaching. I like to learn. I'm always listening to you know tapes and CDs and Blah blah blah. And I've had to discipline myself to put on worship music. Not that so I'm adverse to it, but my tendency is I want one more teaching. I want want to know, you know. The Bible says knowledge puffs up, right? I gotta be careful about that. But I I I I make my I'm 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 gonna be a worshiper. Now, there's different ways to worship. It doesn't have to be music, right? We worship God in our giving. You know, God so loved the world that he gave, right? So there's different aspects of that, but I have to make myself because you know, worship is, is a right brain activity. I want to develop that sensitivity. See uh, his presence, uh, God's presence. Is I need, you need, we need to spend time in God's presence. Okay? Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strengths. One of the illustrations in that book, one of the chapters, talks about radiation therapy. And probably most of us in here, all of us, experienced radiation, whether it's just gone to the dentist and got x rays. We've all been exposed to x rays. Some of us probably had some type of medical treatment with. Radiation, And, you know, you, you're just like, I don't feel anything. You know, you turn the machine on, I don't feel anything. And the same thing happens when you and I spend time with God. I don't always realize it, what's happening, but something's changing. Something's changing inside of me slowly. It isn't always dramatic, but I never waste time spending time with God. You and I will never waste time spending time with God. Is part of the greatest investment we can make. Fourthly, praying in the spirit. I believe this is a, another big key. Jude 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. See, when you think about it, praying in tongues is one of the times God wants us to be spirit-led. He wants our spirit to dominate our soul, to control our body. But what happens if I'm just sowing to the soul, my spirit's put down and my soul controls things. Here's one time where you and I bypass, we directly bypass the soul, when we pray in the Spirit, our soul has no idea what we're saying. I've never said anything wrong when i prayed in tongues because I can't control it. It's, it's a perfect language. It's a perfect prayer, right? It's totally perfect, and it bypasses my mind, and it builds up my spirit man. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians fourteen, two: for he who speaks in a tongue does, does not speak to men but to God. We're speaking to God. We're praying to God. For no one knows, understands him, however, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies. I'm, you and I are building ourselves up as we pray in the Spirit. And then Romans 8, 26 says that we can, by the Holy Spirit, we can pray out God's perfect will. Fasting, I'll leave that to, um, you can look at that yourself on your own time. And then the last section there, I've, I've listed what I, what, I, what I based on this conscious intuition, Conscience, intuition, and communion. There are several verses there, and how the soul and the spirit contrast. We're running out of time. i we to give it questions or comments about what I've talked about today. No questions? No pushback? I think I said it was uncomfortable, or I don't know about that. You guys are too easy, man. Yes, sir. How do you help others, like on those space steps, move from one to another, or is that their own individual personal journey? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's part of our, our calling. That's why we come alongside people, right? To, to be an example, to be an encouragement. Uh, and usually, you know, those those situations, there's usually a, there's comes, there's a, there's a problem or a question that they have in life. Usually, if you develop that relationship sooner or later, it's going to be, hey, how does this work, or why? Or you know, sometimes we see things. We, you know, sometimes God will show us things in people, right? We'll say, you know, boy, I, I, God's got more. God's got more for you. God's got something. I think he. I think God's speaking to your life, and I can see this and try to share with them to try to to, to, to jumpstart them, get them to that next step. But you're right. That's a uh, that's a big mystery. How how do we motivate people? You know, and I'm, well, what motivates me? I don't, sometimes I don't even know what motivates me. That's why we got to pray and ask the Lord. You know, how how do I help this person take that next step? And, again, the key is to go to to the next step. Don't try to go from, you know, if you're at 4 or 5, don't try to go to 10. Go one step at a time. Just take one step at a time. And sometimes these are cyclical. You don't always stay at 10. I think all of a sudden you're going along. Man, things are going great. I really, I obeyed God when he said to me last time. And all of a sudden, God begins to speak to me again. I got to go back to, oh, that discontent. Yeah, I'm not happy with that. I need to change that in my life. I need to change that. And then I become broken by God. And then I begin to surrender, okay, now I'm going to surrender that area of my life to God. Because if he showed us everything at one time, it would, it would just overwhelm us. You know, it'd be just, we, we'd say, forget it. I can't, I can't do it. So it usually takes us a step at a time. Any other comments, questions, concerns? Am I okay? All right, thank you. All right, appreciate it. All right, let's, uh, let's end spiritually. So I'm going to end with a prayer. Thank you for coming. I pray the book blesses you. Uh, I, I think it's, it, it was life-changing for me. It just really brought a greater clarity to how intimate God wants to be with me. And think about it. You, know, you ever get a phone call from somebody? You go, they're calling me? You know, whether it's for a job or some kind of situation. Think about it. You know, when also when we get this thought in our mind, and I think that God speaks to our spirit, and then 80% of the time, all of a sudden there's a thought that kind of trickles up, and we get a thought. That's how God how God can speak to you can speak. You know, I've heard God in my head. Uses other people and circumstances, but most time it's a thought. And all of a sudden you go along your day, and all of a sudden this thought comes: maybe I should spend some time praying. It's like, ah, oh boy, I got I got this, this, and this to do. Lord, done. Okay, am I gonna am I gonna respond to that, that invitation from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? And no, I'm gonna get my I gotta get my to-do list done today. Because I, I don't want my wife mad. I don't want my, I don't want my boss mad. Right. <laughs> is that the <a> wrong answer? <laughs> All right. Heavenly Father, thank you. God, I've just sensed uh, 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 your love and your presence. And what it is, it's, just, it's, it's overwhelming to think that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creative universe, and you want to spend time with us. Uh, you want us to know you and to walk with you and do your will. And so, Lord, help us. As humans, Lord, we're weak, we're, we're fickle, um, Lord, we need your help, and we just ask for your mercy and your grace be poured out upon our lives today. And I pray for each person here that there would be a, a growing sense of God's love, that you have a destiny, you've got a purpose, you've got vision for our lives, and that we can walk it out with you, Lord, that we can we can know God and then make you known to other people. Thank you for that grace. Thank you for this day. We ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen.